It's the Stinking Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott the Huff, producing from home. Hi, Scott. Hope you're doing well. Uh, I'd like to thank our presenting sponsor, the fine folks over at Sweet Sweat. By the way, we're going to do a question mark today, sponsored by Sweet Sweat. Um, they do such a great job. As a matter of fact, I'm taking all kinds of, you know, all, they, they, I've done all their workouts. They've got their bands, their exercise bands, all their different things, all their supplements. They've done a great job. They've really supported us as a show. That's Sweet Sweat. You can find out more at SweetSweat.com and uh, a $75 uh, goodie bag heads to you if we use your question, if we answer your question on air here. So uh, that is question mark coming up later in the program. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Still digesting the uh, uh, the big news, the Cam Newton of the Patriots. I know. that. Uh, now, you know, it was funny because early on in the offseason, the wise guys in Vegas had odds for where he would end up. And the Patriots are always the leading team. Right. But after a while, it seemed like they had decided to go with Jared Stidham. So, so what happened? Why the change? Yeah, you know, I think there's, I think there's several things. Like one thing that Bill Belichick has consistently done, as you know, the grand poobah of all things football in New England, is he has given guys an opportunity, regardless of where they're at in their careers, regardless of if they've had some you know, issues in their past, whether they've been, you know, bad dudes or not, uh, whether they've had some injury issues, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I mean, you can go all the way back to clock killing Corey Dillon. you got Antonio Brown. You've got, I mean. You, Randy Moss. Randy Moss. Rodney Harris. Right. You've got all kinds of guys that have gotten opportunities. And as long as they come in and they're professionals and they work, they're going to get an opportunity to play in New England. That's kind of that's kind of the way it's been. The other thing that Bill Belichick has done is he's always looked at guys that have given him issues over the course of of, of the years and said, "That's a guy I want on my roster." I, I remember Chad Ochocinco. I remember when he was in Cincinnati, Bill Belichick walking up to him and going, "Dude, we're double teaming you the whole game. You're not getting anything. So just understand, you're going to get double teamed the whole game." Right? This is pregame, yep. and they're having this conversation. And then you remember. Down the road, a couple of years later, Ocho Cinco is playing for Bill Belichick, right? And now he didn't he didn't do much that year. It didn't really work out for him. But he's always looked at guys that he's had trouble defending and saying, "I'd like that guy on my team. I'd like to bring that guy over." And when you look at Cam Newton, Bill Belichick preparing for Cam Newton is zero for two, giving up almost six hundred and fifty total yards. Seven TDs versus one turnover. So he's had a tough time defending Cam Newton. And I think there's another aspect to this, Mike. I think there's another aspect based upon what happened to the New England Patriots last year when they took on the Baltimore Ravens. You remember it was one of those night games. Um, I think I was on a plane, as a matter of fact. Maybe it was a Sunday night Sunday contest. Night game. Yep. So I had called my game for Fox, and I was on the plane, and we had TV. And I was watching the Baltimore Ravens absolutely dismantle the number one defense in football. And so for the New England Patriots, you look at it and go, okay, wait a minute now. Can we implement some of that stuff? Some of the stuff that 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 Lamar Jackson is able to do. Now, he, obviously Cam Newton isn't 
as gifted an athlete as Lamar Jackson from a wiggle standpoint and a speed standpoint. But, Mike, he's 6'5", 250. I mean, I was calling a Carolina game late last year, and I walked through the Panthers' locker room. They were We were walking. We were cutting through the locker room. Their, their PR staff was taking us through there to get back to um, – I think we were just getting back to practice or whatever. So we walk, we cut through the locker room, save some time. And Cam Newton is rehabbing his foot. And he's just in a pair of compression shorts. That's it. And, like, <laughs> I'm, like, just looking at him going, dude, it's not fair. <laughs> like, it is not fair. Like, that is Adonis. And so, like, you look at that and say, if if healthy, can we ride him? You know, can like an old Louis L'Amour uh, you know, book. Can we ride him hard and put him away wet? Like, because we will. We're the New England Patriots. So I think there's part of that to to implement that. And you think about this. Just think about this from a a logical standpoint. When you game plan for a team, okay, you're game planning for a specific team. You get a lot of carryover from week to week to week. So, for instance, everybody in the league, Mike runs. A branch concept. Everybody runs a stick concept. Everybody runs a drag slant concept, right? Everybody runs a buffalo concept. You know, you got two by two formations. You got three by one formations. And everybody runs similar stuff, right? You run a through route. You know, you run a dig and you run a corner. Like you, you, everybody runs similar stuff. So there's a lot of carryover. There's some nuance based upon the way teams run it, but there is a lot of carryover. And every week you're practicing those things, right? Now all of a sudden you face the Baltimore Ravens who run an entirely different collegiate-based offense with option and with quarterback counter and with um, zone read stuff and the play action off of that stuff and the timing of all that. And it's it's basically you scrap pile all the shit you've worked on for six weeks because you're like, we can't waste time. We have got to understand that stuff. And now we've got to face this offense that we've never faced before. And it's a challenge. And the issues, you know, the fits, the run fits, the the discipline of who's got the dive, who's got the quarterback, who's got the pitch, you know, all those things. Now all of a sudden you're implementing that. All the stuff that you normally work on that gets carryover, you know what you do? You shit can it that week. And hope that the carryover is good enough. And what inevitably happens to you, why you're so dialed in on preparing to stop the zone read or the pitch option off of that or whatever it is, right? You screw up your basic stuff. You know, you're just, hey, we just have a a regular, we got a regular wide zone play. And you screw up your fits on that. You screw up your you screw up your gap responsibilities on that stuff. It's the regular stuff that gets you. You're You're painting a very rosy, optimistic picture here. For Cam in New England, and New England with Cam, right? But yet, the team that knew him best, the mm-hmm. team that he has been the face of, synonymous with the Panthers, were like, "See ya, we're ready to move on." Right. And then there were at least a handful of teams out there that that certainly, if if you're telling me that Cam Newton can still be Cam Newton, mm-hmm. the guy who was an MVP in this league. I would think that there would have been teams out there that would have been, you know, really going hard after him. Instead, this guy had to wait and wait and wait and really only had one team show any interest in him. 
Right. And, and that's a team that was able to get him for basically the bare veteran minimum with a whole bunch of incentives mm-hmm. worked into. So while you're you're painting a lot of the upside, I, I guess I just got to counter with the reality of, I don't know, it seems like the, the rest of the league has spoken on this guy. Well, I think there's, I think there's, I, I think it's a great point. And I think it's, I think it's like a statistic, Mike. One of the things I hate about statistics is I can take a statistic and make it say anything I want it to say, right? There's a narrative that goes along with statistics. Um, and so you've got to be very careful about that. Here's the situation. Do I think Jacksonville would be interested in Cam Newton? Yeah, I do. Do I think Cam Newton would be interested in Jacksonville? No. Do I think Cam Newton would be interested in Jacksonville at a million dollars with a chance to earn a bunch of incentives? Hell no. Hell no. No. Right? But if you and I want you to finish that, okay. but my point is that if you're again, the rosy picture you're you're painting here about what Cam could bring to New England, well then if if Jacksonville felt that they could get that kind of guy, then why wouldn't they want to offer him a you know, a really good. I mean, if Andy Dalton's getting seven million from the Cowboys, let's say they say, "Yeah, we'll give you seven million guaranteed. Come be our starter." Right. I'm sure Cam would take that. Okay. Well, let me let me ask you this, Mike. But Jacksonville didn't view him that way. Right. I don't think. I think. I think one that Cam Newton. A lot of teams looked at Cam Newton and said, "Okay, the health is really the health is an issue, and it has been an issue." Okay. So I think that's part of it. I think the other part. The other part of this is knowing that Cam Newton full well is going to say, hey, man, I'm biding my time. If you even give me an opportunity, like if you give me an opportunity to be a backup, I'm going to bide my time because somebody in camp will get hurt. Somebody won't perform, whatever the case may be, and I'll be able to slide in and have an opportunity to start. You go to New England, Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer are there. You're going to get your opportunity to start, right? It's your job to lose. Right. And you've got the you've got the backing of the New England Patriots who are proven. They've had a stranglehold on the AFC East for twenty freaking years. You think that's gonna change like like you said this before on our radio show. They roll out of bed and win nine games who regardless of who their quarterback is, they're right. just they're ingrained. That's yeah. the way they are. Here's the other thing I would tell you. You know, everybody looks at Lamar Jackson. And it's just like, oh, Lamar Jackson's great, right? Lamar Jackson, MVP. Lamar Jackson this, Lamar Jackson that. I would would put it to you or anybody else that there are very few teams where Lamar Jackson would have become MVP. You think about the Baltimore Ravens and what what they did. I give John Harbaugh all the credit in the world. Because John Harbaugh looked at the skill set of Lamar and said, you know what? I'm going to shit can my entire offense. I'm going to shit can my entire, like my entire system. And we're going to create. I'm going to ask 10 guys on offense to sacrifice and do something that they haven't done before to, to accommodate this guy's skill set. By the way, not only that, I'm going to ask all 11 guys to change what we do on defense to accommodate what we're going to do on offense. So that we're completely complementary. Now, that sounds easy, Mike, but there may not be another team that would be willing to do that. There might not be one other team that would say, hey, let's scrap out it all. Like if Lamar Jackson goes to, I mean, give me, give me a team, goes to Cincinnati. 
You think they're going to scrap pile everything to put that offense in? Especially with a young offensive, you know, a, a brilliant mind that actually brushed up against Sean McVay well, at some okay, point? There's your answer right there. Lamar Jack, if, if, if NFL offensive coaches right. thought that Lamar Jackson could flourish in their kind of offensive systems mm-hmm. that they are that they love that they've nurtured right. that you know they you know clutch close to their bosom then Lamar Jackson would have been a top 5 pick but nobody nobody who's an offensive guy viewed Lamar Jackson that way because he's not a traditional stand in the pocket Correct. type guy so to your point i only think there's three i think there's only three coaches in the entire NFL that would have the background and 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 the the resume, the the cachet, as you like to say, uh-huh. to have the guts to to totally transform Harbaugh, Belichick, and Pete Carroll. None of whom are offensive guys. Right, they're all defensive guys, by the way, teams type guys. Yeah, and by the way, all of them are CEOs of their football team. Exactly, and they divvy up the responsibility. Of course, Belichick oversees the defense. But do you think he's calling every defensive play? Uh, you know, I think he's given that to over the years over the to years, yeah. to Mangini and yeah. to Matt Patricia and to Romeo Cornell and to all the other guys that have done that for him. Now he may have taken that back over last year, but eventually, oh, he's grooming somebody. Yeah, he's he's grooming he's grooming somebody because they understand the value of 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 coaching the entire team. Bill, I mean, Pete Pete Carroll is. Very much that way. He's a motivator. He's the rah-rah guy. He's making sure we're getting it done the right way in practice. But he's not He's not calling anything. No, they're football CEOs. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think you're probably right. There's, there's, there's no young, innovative, offensive coaches that we're going to go down well, that route. even ro- the veteran ones. Yeah. I mean, is Andy Reid going to buck his system? To you know, to to change what he does for Lamar Jackson right. is, is Kyle Shanahan going to do it? And then all of a sudden, you're not going to you're not going to yeah. I mean, you're not developing a, a quarterback in the traditional sense of developing a quarterback. And the other thing is, is you know, history would tell you. I mean, you can go back to Michael Vick. You can go back to a lot of guys. History would tell you that the shelf life of that guy. Where the shelf life now, if you get a Patrick Mahomes or you get a, a legitimate pocket quarterback, the shelf life is 15 to 20 years. Now you're saying, what's our shelf life? Six? Right. Seven do you, th- years? Do you think you get John Harbaugh in a private moment? I've had him there. Okay. Completely honest. Does he honestly think that he's got Lamar Jackson as his quarterback for the next 15 years? Mike, when I talk to – no, uh, no, there's no way. And when I talk to John, and I'm not talking out of turn here. This is not. This is this is for public consumption. Like I, I asked him, how long? Like how long? He's like, I don't know, Sink. I don't know. Right. How, what's the long term viability? I don't know. Like, hey man, he takes two or he 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 says to me, he takes two or three shots a game that I wish he didn't take. But so do drop back quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And he's so good at he's so elusive and so good at people making people miss that he doesn't get flushed up very often. He probably gets flushed up in in John's mind. He probably gets flushed up less than some of the dropback guys. The problem is, is the dropback guys are getting flushed up in the protection of the pocket. Can't hit him low. Can't hit him high. When he's a runner, you can hit him anywhere. 
and you're hitting him low with a foot in the ground, bam, all of a sudden leg injury happens. All of a sudden an RG3 type of thing happens, you know? So that's that's the fear, and it's certainly there, and John doesn't know. I mean, nobody knows now, what the maybe, long-term viability is. Maybe Lamar Jackson follows a similar career path to, let's say, Russell Wilson. All right? Russell Wilson, through the first couple of years of his career, was kind of that, you know, he, he's elusive. He'll make you miss. He's a threat. Mm. But then he became lethal from the pocket. And there's a reason why he became a $30 million a year guy, because he became you yeah. know, an exceptional passer of the football, and, and he augments that with an ability right. to, to run, and he very rarely gets squared up. Right. Now, can Lamar Jackson do that? Then if he can, here, then maybe you are looking at a but, twelve to fifteen year guy. But here's what I would tell you: the difference here is is default mechanism. So for Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson has always been a very gifted and a very skilled pocket quarterback. Yeah, all the way back to North Carolina and Wisconsin. Yeah, he ran North Carolina State, right? Yeah, um, he's always been that. He just happens to be a gifted athlete, right? So he's a quarterback first. As a gifted athlete. So his default mechanism, watch him slide. Watch him not take on people. Watch him. Like, that to me has been ingrained in him. That's what he's always been. There's a difference between being, there's a difference between being a great athlete who happens to play quarterback and a quarterback who happens to be a great athlete. So the default mechanism of the great athlete that happens to be quarterback is rely on athleticism to get myself out of trouble. And that's when you get yourself in trouble because you become Michael Vick. You're like, and I've had this conversation with Michael Vick, and he'll be the first to tell you, man, I wish I would have transitioned. But I could always rely on my athleticism, and I just relied on it until the point where you can't anymore, right? And then you never develop the other part of your game. That's that's the issue. So, you know, you'll get better along the way, but... I just think almost instinctually your first mechanism is always rely on my athleticism. And that is a recipe for eventually having a shorter shelf life at that position. All right, so bring it back full circle. We started off talking about Cam. Do you you believe Cam in New England is a success? I – so there's only one – there's only one thing that concerns me. And I think he answered the question by signing the contract. The one thing that concerns me is I know how co- guys get coached in New England. You're browbeaten, right? You are now. They'll develop you and they'll do that, but they there's a certain there's a certain aspect of beating you down that exists in in New England. You know, I've I've talked to guys that have played for the New England Patriots where Belichick is coming in. And no, regardless of how good Brady plays and how good he's playing, he's going to beat him down in the meetings in front of everybody. Can Cam handle that kind of kind of quote unquote coaching abuse? See, I think it's going to be boomer bust. I think he's either going to walk in there, uh huh, used to being the guy, the way he was probably treated in Carolina, right. where he could do whatever he wants, mm-hmm. and he's going to just be like, ugh. I can't no no Ugh, right no and he might he might not even make it through camp honestly he may he may not even make it through camp he may decide uh uh-uh, uh ain't, this ain't for me or what I think is more likely is he's gonna get there and he's gonna realize you know what 
he's been he's been served up a huge plate of humble pie with what's gone right. out on you know the way that he was unceremoniously dumped in, in Carolina mm-hmm. and what this offseason's been like and realizing he's playing for like a million bucks far less than guys like you know Chase Daniel and Andy right. Dalton are playing for and I think at this point he's going to be like you know what I'm ready for this I want this I need this mm-hmm. and I I think he's I think he's going to really take to it well yeah I think the likelihood of that so I did a game in Cleveland, it's like week 11 in 2018. Now, remember, 2018 started, Cam Newton was being talked about an MVP caliber candidate. He was completing almost 70% of his passes. It was his first year with Norv Turner. Norv Turner convinced him and, and coached him to really start to understand the game better, quit relying on athleticism. If the first read of your you know progression is open, get it to your running back. Get it to you know. I mean, this is North Turner one hundred and one, right? And he was playing exceptionally well. And then the shoulder flared up, and then he really struggled after about week eight or nine. Really struggled. And when I had him, and he couldn't throw the ball thirty five yards, it was it it was painful to watch. And he missed a wide open guy, wide. I mean, just wide open, streaking down the sideline. Um, and he couldn't throw far enough. He had the the DB beat by three yards. The DB inter- intercepting it. Like it was, it was just, it was just one of those throws that you could make in your sleep. That he he just didn't have the arm strength to make it. So, I was talking to him in the meeting, and there's a bit. Sometimes you know, I'm sitting in a meeting, and a guy walks in. There's some tension there because I've said something in the past that hasn't sat well. You know, something that to me is honest, and and I've earned the right to say it. You may not like it, but that's the way it is. So there was tension right off the bat. And as we started talking about the maturation process and what was going on, you know, he talked about the fact that he had this kind of epiphany moment where one of his kids was throwing a temper tantrum in a store and he was embarrassed and like, get off the ground, whatever. And, um, and his mom was with him and she said, well, why are you, you know, why are you upset with your child? You act the exact same way. And he goes, and it just, it was a punch to the gut. They're acting just like you. And, and so, you know, there, there's a process to growing up. And especially when you've been coddled as an athlete. And we all have to a degree, right? But there's a, a growing up process. And I believe that he's gone through that the last couple of years. Like you said, he's been served a big plate, a humble pie. And I believe that he accepted this contract where he wouldn't accept it from Jacksonville. He wouldn't accept it from other teams. He accepted this contract understanding, I'm going to get coached. I'm going to get coached well. And this is an opportunity to resurrect my career. And damn it, I'm going to take it. Yeah, I don't think he's walking into this blind. No. I think he, he understands what he's what he's walking into. Yes, and you know, I mean, you know, you've talked to enough people in that organization, right? You've talked to enough people that you're getting, you know, you're getting the the legitimate skinny on how you're going to get coached, what's going on. So, I mean, to me, ain't nothing wrong with that. Like that's that's the best that's the best you're going to get. And that's a good thing, man. Here, here's the last thing I'll say. The New England Patriots, you got to love them. You got to love 
How about they announce? Oh, how yeah. About, right. Right. This is proof that it worked. Right. The, how about you, we've gotten through this whole podcast, right. 30 minutes or whatever it is. It. I yeah. honestly forgot about it. That they announced the signing of Cam Newton. They could have done that anytime. They, they, you know, they slow footed, they soft shoot this thing 15 minutes before the announcement of their punishment for taping that game between Cincinnati and Cleveland. They announced the Cam Newton thing. They bury a $1.1 million fine and a loss of a third round draft choice. They bury it in the news cycle with the signing of Cam Newton. Brilliant. Brilliant. Because if they, if they don't, do this Cam Newton signing when it, it does. All anybody's talking about in this slow news cycle. Right. I mean, we're, we're you know star for topics is just hammering on the Patriots. Yeah, the cheating Patriots, the cheating Patriots, and the latest scandal, and does this tarnish their legacy, and all those things that would have been talked about ad nauseum. Instead, it's all about Cam. I think it. I think the cool thing is though, this is how entrenched they are into doing what they do. Do you really need to tape either Cleveland or Cincinnati? Like honestly, do you do you really need to tape either of those teams, Mike? I mean, give me a break, right? But hey, it's what we we get an advantage any way we can get an advantage. But boy, no, they... it was just our TV crew. Their TV crew, by the way, has been suspended from going out and doing anything in anybody's stadium. It's it's smart. Hey, listen, the Patriots. The Patriots <laughs> I don't hate them. Patriots haven't done what they've done over the years because they're dumb. Okay, right. and this is their the latest example right. of just being smarter than everybody else because right. they literally were able to take yet another scandal and and, and basically make it disappear. Just bury it. Just bury, bury it. it with news of Cam Newton. All right, uh, let's get to question mark. Okay. For the chance to win the $75 care package from Sweet Sweat. Here's one from Russ. Mark, the PGA Tour already has five players test positive, And let's just say golf is not football. How on earth is the NFL going to keep players healthy and COVID-free? You know locker rooms. They're not. They're not. And this is part of, this is part of the process. And, hey, get used to it. You know, we're going to have to figure out um, – we're going to have to figure out how to social distance, how to keep our masks on, how to we're going to have to figure out how to run our lives, you know, with with new parameters until they either come up with a vaccine, you know. I'm looking at I'm looking at numbers in Japan. Japan hardly had anybody. But they have a culture where everybody wears a mask. So it wasn't, you know, we got idiots out here. And listen, I know the science there's a bunch of different science behind it, Mike. But we got idiots out here that refuse to wear a mask. Like, oh, with a mask, I can breathe in oxygen, but everybody knows CO2 won't go through the mask, right? Like, I'm breathing my own CO2. I mean, you can't be any dumber than some of the people that are protesting the wearing of a mask. And if I've seen doctors say if everybody just wore a mask in public 24-7 when they're in public, um, within two months, the virus would basically die out. But, you know, I mean, we're too stupid to do it. I, I don't know what the answer is, but guys are going to test positive. It's just, it's it's going to be part of the process. I don't know. I, f- I almost feel like Clemson is purposely, like, it's like when your kids had the chicken pox, right? They're purposely getting herd immunity. They had 37, 40 guys already test positive. Like, hey, go hang out with Joe and uh, and and Jim for a while. Get yourself sick. And and most of them are asymptomatic. Get yourself sick, and then let's move forward and and have some type of immunity to it. 
Uh, this one uh, comes in from uh, Luke, who says, Mark, big Redskins fans, uh, big Redskin fan, love the days of the Hogs. Uh, what did Joe Bugle mean to you? Yeah, Bugs. Uh, yeah, oh, man, we've, we've gone through a whole podcast. I even talk about Bugs. Um, had some conversations here recently with some guys. Bugs was a piece of work, man. That guy loved football. He was a, uh, he was just a, a tactician when it came to footwork, hand placement, um, just understanding the game, playing with physicality, and in and just really creating, you know, creating this mantra. Like he 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 created a a national kind of treasure, if you will, with the Hogs. Like that that's his brain trust. And always believed when I cut my teeth with the Redskins that came into it is the offensive line is the backbone of any organization, man. It's what it is. And if you control the line of scrimmage, you're gonna win regardless. That's why why do you think why do you think Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks? Who else does that? Nobody. It's because he understood the value of the Hogs. He understood the value of an offensive line. He understood the value of of having the diesel and having the running backs and Ernest Biner and all those guys. He knew what it was about. It was about dominating a line of scrimmage, and that was Joe Gibbs. I mean, excuse me, that was Joe Bugle that did that for Joe Gibbs. You think about, like, you think about John Madden's career. What did he make his career on? He made his career on talking about the trenches and the uglies and all that stuff. It started, it really started truly with the skins. And, you know, and then it carried on to the Cowboys and, like that was that's who John Madden that's what John Madden got his that's how he got his celebrity talking about football. And and Joe Bugle had that effect. He was like to me, I know assistant coaches don't get into the Hall of Fame very often. He should be a Hall of Fame assistant coach. They there should they should open up a wing for assistant coaches because he's a guy that drew attention, brought attention to the importance of the backbone of any organization. That's the O-line. Well, two good questions. Um, you got to go with the bugle question, don't you? No? I'm going to go only because you gave a great answer. It's a great question. But I just think the the timeliness with what where we're living right now and and the issues facing all these sports, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the, the, the corona question. Are you? So Russ Aragon. Is the winner really? Yes. You're going in that direction. I am going right. in that direction. I'm taking, right. uh, taking, uh, ex- I'm making an executive decision right well, there. That's why you're two the, good questions. That's why you're the boss. Two good questions. That is why you're the boss. All right. Hey, listen for everybody involved in the Stink of Truth podcast. All you listeners, we thank you so much for listening. Please. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Like to thank the great folks over at Sweet Sweat for doing such a phenomenal job. SweetSweat.com. You can find them at Sweet Sweat on Instagram, on uh, on all your social media, your Twitter, and all that kind of stuff. But SweetSweat.com for more information there. For all the folks over at Marks All Pros, check out Marks All Pros at MarksAllPros.com. Uh, for Mike, myself, for Scott, thank you so much. We'll be back with you uh, after the 4th of July. Be careful out there now.